Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Rearranged my desk. Oh, okay. No no one's going to know why I find that so funny. My desk remains arranged the same, actually, the contents of the desk. I've actually rearranged a room in which the desk resides. Uh Yeah. Which is why I look different now. You've got a different view of me. It's not a different view. I mean, again, it's not a different view of you. It's a different view of the room. The lighting... Is more interesting. I wouldn't necessarily. It's better. Uh, this you know, is this lighting is objective. It is. Better. It's got a side. I had mm. a fucking glow behind mm. me before, where there was a window behind me, and it looked nonsense. You also had- no. That's great because that was how you would light a villain in a movie. You would. <laughs> is that why you've them. got a window and behind you? You are the villain. That's why I'm moving my lamp here. You can see I'm front lit now. <laughs> um, you are obviously the villain of the podcast. Steve has got that lovely contrast where he's sort of the person in between. You see how one side of his face is in I'm shadow, in conflict. and I'm now front lit by the light yeah. here. So I'm obviously the hero, uh, the protagonist of the podcast. Uh, what do you make of that, Lucas? Um, I think that's bollocks. Hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us uh, during season four, which is called Is It Rad In Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, is it rad in your head? And to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I love music. The emotion, the artistry, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who said they don't care about art or critique, does not often 
relate personally to music, but they did hear some music once, and it's Lucas Way. I know music. It's in my ear brain hole. In the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context art and subject matter and has heard music twice. It's Steve Murphy. Yeah, and my uh, lighting is reflecting uh, how I feel about music because I'm uh, conflicted or something. Oh, you're conflicted about music. We're going through the entire discography of Water Bottle Peddler's Radiohead. Last week we started looking at OK Computer. And how many tracks did we get done, guys? Ah, a number? None off the album. Absolutely not. Yeah. We got we got talk show hosts done. And, you know, is zero a number, Lucas? I, is it, yes. Or is it the absence of numbers? No, zero is a number. Well, we can discuss that at a later date. Let's pin that for the commentary episode we're talking today. What are numbers? Um, <laughs> but today we're going to continue looking at OK Computer. Uh, and we're going to actually start uh, with the album, the bulk of it. And we're going to start our track-by-track exploration of it. Let's do that now. With, um, as like in all of my research, uh, I have found this to be the first song on the album. So let's do Airbag. what radiohead sounds like that's radiohead that's radiohead how did you know well what i did <laughs> no i, I said it though adam the... so okay. why are you answering <laughs> the question but like when i said like uh, like right at the start like that doesn't sound like what i know radiohead sounds like in my head yeah that's what radiohead sounds like right yes it's got that like i don't know if the time signature's weird but the drums are like it's doing like some weird drums it's just got that it's just got all the radioheadisms it does. And it's good. The full radio head. It's got the full <laughs> radio head. It's got loads of... Also, I sent you to a video earlier about lyrics. Yeah. Oh, I didn't watch it. Put it in the show notes. You won't. Mm-hmm. But that is exactly this. It's basically, here's my relationship with lyrics. And it's like, and it's, and it's, it's a song. And it's just someone's, under, and the version of the song is like, and that's what they hear when they hear songs. That's what I hear when I hear songs. So you hear. 
I'm back to say yeah. Yeah, it's just nonsense. I just hear sounds. That's what I heard the first time because it's right. Tom York and he refuses you, to pronounce any words. Then how are you supposed to know that the album's about technology unless you read the lyrics? Because when I listened to the album for about the fifth time, I sat down with the artwork but clear and read through the lyrics. Normal people don't do that. A lot of people do that. Maybe not normal people. Radiohead fans aren't normal people. Radiohead fans aren't normal people. Radiohead fans Creeps and weirdos. People. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, really good song. It's a, a fantastic song, Steve. What do, what do you what do you make of it? it? First of all, it's the first of a couple of references to crashes on the album, like um, transport, right? Transport. But then I wondered if it's like I mean, this is like surely a direct reference to the crash that he had, right? Um, yes, it an is, airbag yeah. saved his life, and it clearly really affected him because it sort of pops up a couple of times in this. I mean, there's an air crash later instead, but. Um, you know, and I just, I just thought that was. It feels like he's sort of referencing. I mean, when you, I mean, this is a great fucking song, by the way. Um, but but just the, obviously the 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 wonderful poetic lyric of an interstellar burst. I'm back to save the universe. Just conjures up all sorts of images. But I wondered if that seems like he's referencing the crash, reevaluating his outlook on life, and giving him a second chance. That's what I kind of saw that line as. Yeah. You're, you're yes. pointing. You're, you're pointing. I like that. I like that. I like that read very much. You're pointing much. quite angrily, There's a though. couple. Sorry. <laughs> I am. I'm livid. <laughs> I'm livid about it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I, I think that's that's the perfect read. And also, the the album is straight away, like, I have to say, straight away, rock music didn't sound like this in, in 1997. It just didn't. This this is mad for 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 the time. Um and it's already deep into the meeting of that thing that we love, form and function. It gets straight into its themes and straight into the tone of the album. It's immediately about technology and airbag, mm. but also with like that that undercurrent of darkness. It's about the illusion of safety on mass transport, which is a compelling idea, you know, just sat on a bus with no seatbelt. Um, but it's also, Steve, right, you're right, it's about death and reincarnation there are kind of two in like direct influences for this song it, uh, an article called an airbag saved my life which is itself a play on the song a dj saved my life um and the tibetan book of the dead which speaks of reincarnation and being reborn and i think tom is taking a bit of like eastern religion or eastern philosophy and incorporating it into a kind of more of a western kind of world um there's all sorts of stuff in there like like uh i'm born again he he constantly keeps saying i am born again um so the album starts with someone being born amongst sort of car crashes and interstellar bursts and being back to save the universe, which is maybe one of the most dramatic things you can talk about, which is why the chorus is so fucking, like, it sounds really dramatic, right? I mean, it it, start, it starts off the album super sinister, just those... It sounds like like kind of super dramatic uh, Hollywood uh, from the 1930s kind of, I don't know, do you know what I mean? That kind of like uh, horror movie kind of... Uh, really, really super dramatic. I mean, I've got quite a bright light on me here. Yeah, it it sounds sounds like classical music, right? But you've got then this, uh, like Lucas said, this drum groove. 
but then it kind of drops in and out. Let's leave space for the other instruments. Drops in, drops out. Um, and then it's got like some er- 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 some DJ scratches and stuff in it. Um, it's like it's not quite <laughs> yeah, DJ. It is. Scratches, it's DJ Lethal yeah. from Limp Bizkit. They got in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's early lost profit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should say the official title of the song is Airbag Feet DJ Lethal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind of got those themes meeting each other there, you know, and I find that interesting. Yeah, the whole song itself is like technologically minded and. It, the, the album comes right out of the gate with a mashup of styles that you can expect from the album as a whole. And I get, I really do genuinely get that there's loads of music and there's loads of popular music that sounds like this now. But at the time, for a mainstream rock band to do this was insane. And it's why, like, all of the record labels dramatically dropped their um, estimated sales. It's because stuff like this was for DJ Shadow and. Portishead, a massive attack. It wasn't for a rock band to be doing this kind of things. So the drums, they're sampled, but they are sampled from Phil Selway himself. It's like a few seconds of him playing that is sampled and looped, inspired by the way that DJ Shadow worked, but they couldn't quite get it right. And of course, it's looped on tape. And then it's fed back through Johnny's guitar pedal. Um, his his whole pedal board and Johnny is playing his pedal board along with the rhythm of the drums uh, to achieve that ere, ere sound <laughs> you were talking about. Uh, do, uh, I'm gonna. Do you want? Do you want to hear yeah, it? Please, because yeah, yeah, I have it. Love him so much. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> Adam, Lucas, yeah. I fucking love Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. It's just a fucking Matt Bellamy ripper. Oh, shut up. You're, really <laughs> I noticed it in the Ben's episode. Like, I think you both like completely sincerely joke that like that Radiohead ripped off Muse, and it's not joked about. So there'll be some people listening to it that will go, no, they're not. It's the other way around. And, like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just casting the yeah. rod out yeah. to the please sea bite, and just please. Just waiting. Please. Just waiting. If you add to those drums the sound of the scratchy rock guitar that Tom is playing, it doesn't sound like a proper rock guitar. And the fact that the main riff is kind of, like you said, Steve, like a bit more classical sounding, and it's doubled by a cello. So it's only guitar in the left-hand side, and it's cello playing it in the right-hand side. And then the bass kind of sounds like 70s dub reggae. Yeah. Because it's just, it's not through the whole song, it's just going like... And then there's loads of space, and it goes... And, it's, <laughs> and and Colin had intended to fill in the rest. That's kind of his double bass track. He was just putting in fills that he knew he liked, and then he was going to figure out the spaces. But they really liked how it sounded and said, "Don't fill it in," like because that that's that's all it needs. And it's it's a real stop start sort yeah. of sort of song. Um, and I suppose Steve. It's kind of a stop-start motion in a in a car crash, isn't it, Lucas? Yeah, guys, that's sort of, I'm just putting that putting that together now. Deep sigh from Lucas. I hate this podcast. It's awful. <laughs> um, there was a bit of a tense argument over this song. Tom's instinct, of course, as we know about him, is to make things as difficult as possible for the listener. Um, 
he wanted to remove the rhythm guitar entirely, leaving the song with no anchor because nobody would be able to hear the basic chords of the song. And they actually staged like a mini intervention for this idea. They sat him <laughs> down and the other members of Radiohead were like, look, Tom, we can't. Come on, mate. We've got to make some concessions to the mainstream. <laughs> uh, but he was placated because the last thing to be added to the song was, of course... Well, I mean, guys, is, is this a Christmas song? What? What? Sleigh bells. Has it got sleigh it's got bells sleigh bells on it. On it. Yeah. yeah. From it does, minute one it? all the way through, just sleigh bells. Yeah. I mean, it... <laughs> I, thought, I figured it was a, a just a, tambor, a tambourine. If this just had some sax on it, we'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, if it had like proper, like the Manic's Christmas song, <laughs> saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of cool stuff going on in this album. There's loads of references to, like, a neon sign scrolling up and down, which is like a physical neon sign, but in a digital space. And, I, uh, yeah, the idea of being reborn, we're coming up to the new millennium at this point. I think there was a lot of stuff around that as well, a new century, a new millennium, uh, a new start. It's hitting all of those buttons, and we're only on sort of track one. Um there's a lot of, you know, that's a big sort of sprawling mess of a song. But do you know what's even more <laughs> of a sprawling mess of a song? Uh, no. How are we going to do this? Like, usually we just play the first minute to a minute and a half of a song. Yeah. Like, what do we want to do here? Just play the whole song. <laughs> All right. Yeah, then. just play six and a half minutes. Guys, it's uh, it's Paranoid Android. Everyone's heard Paranoid Android. It's a song that has like four sections, five sections even. I'm going to play a little bit of each of them. This song is the original Star Wars trilogy. So it starts off with a section that's fairly muted and slow that builds to a big explosion, right? The next part 
is like dark and action-packed but it's the least hopeful of the three parts ending with like a ending with like a sadness you know uh um, and and it's hopeless and then the next part has ewoks and ends with the same explosion as the first part now i have a question do you think that i've given this analogy any thought yeah i think you gave it slight thought it's got some thoughts in it's there, hasn't something. it? Now, what it's I did something. is I went, right, it's got three parts, better pick a trilogy. And then yeah. I, just, I desperately tried to cling it to Guys, it. Guys, the, the, Steve, the, the Ewoks, is that the bit where you can hear Tom going, in the background? No, the Ewoks are like the little things on end or the fluffy thing. Right, okay. So th- that's not a direct... Okay. Mm. I, uh, I went to Endor recently. Yeah? Yeah, and I went to the place where they did Endor. The forest the red, of the, the redwood forests. Mm, yeah. Stuff. It's oh, quite nice how's being that? In it. Oh, lovely. No Ewoks. Because no they're Ewoks. fictional. Uh, mm. That's right. I Steve. Did, uh, they're actually fictional. Oh, they're actually fictional and they're not yeah. on Paranoid Android. I messaged Adam the same bit that we did with the Ben's episode at one point, just saying, like, oh, imagine yeah. writing a song, you go and you imagine something, and it's Paranoid Android. And Adam came back with, yeah, imagine writing three songs. <laughs> imagine like, oh, you've yeah. written three songs oh, and yes, it's three Paranoid songs. Android. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's three songs. <laughs> I mean, this this song is uh, amazing. It's paranoid. It's paranoid Android. It's just um... uh, it's a certified hot badger. It gets the award. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah we yeah. should do like an award ceremony. We should like, do an award podcast. ceremony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's six and a half minutes long. It's split into four sections. Some of them have different tempos. Some of them have different time signatures. One is a reprise of the other. Um, oh, yeah. Firstly, dynamic wise, this seems like the ultimate culmination of their kind of obsession with quiet loud right yeah which is slightly backed up by the fact that they don't really do it again in their career after this oh yeah this is the last of them doing this bit's quiet this bit's loud and then we're back to quiet i I love that though oh what is like i mean how do you even start talking about paranoid android um i find it to be creepy yeah uh, it's not. It's kind of pretty, but it's also kind of like disfigured. And then it's sort of funky, uh, with a great riff, which is in a different time signature to the rest of the song. And then there's the bass that goes like, and it's all like funky. And then it just kind of explodes, and then it slows right down. Empire Strikes Back for the long, solemn middle section before like exploding again. It's pretty mad. It's an especially mad first single. I reckon. Yeah, that is insane. Now you said that, yeah. Uh, I mean, it shows off the bits from the album very well. It does, yeah, 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 for sure. There's obvious comparisons to other songs, right? Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody, surely? I guess it's got movements in this song, in this six and a half minute song, yeah. I don't think this song exists if Bohemian Rhapsody hadn't existed before it. Uh, and, And then again, going one stage further back from that, Happiness is a Warm Gun by the Beatles. Um, Going back forward again is that Queen also famously pushed that Bohemian Rhapsody would be this six and how long's the song? Probably about six and a half minutes. Yeah. That is our single and that has to be played on the radio as a full. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly the same as what they did for that. So that's very interesting, Adam. Tom York loves Queen. There we go. But Brian May is his hero. Oh, yeah. He, he built his own little red special. Uh-huh. Um, lyrically, a lot going on, I guess. It's gross. Oh, fuck the lyrics. I mean, obviously, we all know the reference about Marvin the Paranoid Android. 
from yes, Hitchhiker's okay. Guide to so the Galaxy. That is the second reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yes. Marvin the Paranormal. Is, is that what it's about? Is it about him? No. That's way too literal a, a, a read, isn't it? I was going to say, but I mean, can I just bring out one line and just ask Adam to just do his best? From all the unborn chicken voices in my head. What image does that conjure to you? A lot of dead chickens. Yeah. A lot of baby dead chickens. I think that's the image it's supposed to uh, supposed to to bring out. It's a disturbing image. It's a disturbing song, really. It's all a lot of disturbing imagery, imagery all over this song, to be fair. Yeah, and I don't like the narrator of the song either. Like that, that horrible, like, when I'm king, you'll be first against the wall. Is yeah. like a, a really like dark like I mean I've got a whole thing like the, the the inspiration comes from a night out that Tom York had because Tom York had a patented Radiohead fun time when he went on a night out once he was at a bar in LA surrounded by people who were taking cocaine and he saw a woman react incredibly violently to a drink being spilled on her and that's the inspiration for the song and there's bits of that in there. You could read some of this song as someone looking around a bar and describing its inhabitants, I think. Where are the dead chicken voices? Well, this is the thing. Like, the bits I'm really picking out are, like, ambition makes you look pretty ugly and kicking, squealing, Gucci little piggy. Yeah. Um, But I think the song in general seems to be reaching for something much bigger than that. The, The line that comes before that, Lucas, please... Could you stop the noise? I'm trying to get some rest from all the unborn chicken voices in my head. So this is somebody like who is struggling to sleep from the noise of whatever is going on inside their head. I think it kind of speaks to the pervasive noise of modern life. I live in a city and it's noisy. And sometimes I can't get to sleep because of traffic. And sometimes I can't get to sleep because there's just people going about their fucking lives. And it also brings to mind battery hens and factory farming. But also, maybe they're just voices in this guy's head. Have you guys seen Taxi Driver? Yeah. No. Have you not? Okay. Robert De Niro's um, character, Travis Bickle, in Taxi Driver is someone who sees the worst in society and as a result kind of this is an oversimplification wants to murder everybody in it um and i think that it's that kind of person in paranoid android i think they are a paranoid android like i mean you know the next line is what's that which is kind of like a paranoid sort of thought and then of course you get you get this i'm going to play it i'm a be paranoid, but not an android. So you get that yeah, repeated. Which took me a few listens. So I saw that on Genius Lyrics, but I didn't hear it when I listened to the song. You didn't hear it? How many times did you listen? So like, I, 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 I didn't hear this the first... I mean, ever, since I've ever first heard this song, yeah. fucking loads, mate. Well, same, but like uh, for the first few listens, like, uh, I didn't hear it. And then I noticed it. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, I, I could hear the words paranoid and android. And I was like... <laughs> title of the song but um so it's what it's saying i'm paranoid but i'm not an android it's a bit yes. uh i've got soul but i'm not a soldier isn't it um kind of but it's also kind of saying like i might be anxious and paranoid but at least that means that i'm human 
Yeah. Like, I'm paranoid, but at least that means I'm not a robot. Which is very interesting, because that line is spoken by a machine. It's very good. And it kind of ties into, like, a take I've kind of got. There's there's um there's a few references to pigs on the album. Yeah. The crackling of pigskin, right? Yeah, crackle of pigskin and um, Gucci little piggy and stuff like that. I think there's maybe one later as well. Um, so it's largely about technology taking over. Like, first of all, it's... So this album is a bit like Planet Telex, the album, isn't it? Yes, it's kind of. One hundred percent. But like in my head, when he's talking about pigs, like uh, the pigs are kind of humans, and like we're just these pigs because we're basically very similar to pigs, and but we we happen to have all this technology because of your corkscrew penis. Because of my corkscrew <laughs> penis and my love for slop to eat. <laughs> yeah, you love um, slop mm, all I over just... your corkscrew penis. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah. And I think there's a reference to that uh, in there. <laughs> there might be, there might be. There's the line that, Steve, you filthy pig, you love your dirty, sloppy slop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's on, I think it's on Let Down. Hate. Yeah. God, that would ruin be. that song, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what a vibe check. <laughs> but kind of just humans as, as, as we're just, we're just, fuck. It's at the end of as the... As a commodity. Uh, yeah, just like we're just farmed yeah it's very matrix you know it is it is it's very it's very sci-fi yeah Mm. um the 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 when i'm king you'll be first against the wall is very sort of travis bickle i I get like you know disturbed individual versus society and then he turns his attention seemingly to specific people right the kicking squealing gucci little piggy the person whose ambition makes them look ugly and then somebody is annoyed that they are not remembered. There's a there's like a a vague sense of self-importance, which is when the song turns violent. The thing that he's shouting is, you don't remember my name. Why don't you remember my name? And then he starts shouting off with his head, off with his head. Um, and then it obviously goes into the meditative section where the narrator seems to kind of give up. There are disparate images that are kind of dark but also familiar someone getting thrown out of a bar right that's in there because he says that's it sir you're leaving um yuppies networking the crackle of pigskin steve my favorite bit which is when he says the panic and the vomit um and then a big ironic and very eerie god loves his children straight into like the last section of the song where there is no narrator anymore and it's just the 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 sort of very explosive sort of rock sound it's kind of about everything in a way it's someone looking at society and really not liking what they see and it seems like they have some kind of sickness as well and then they kind of give out and uh, give up and let it let it rain down on them let it just sort of like wash over them that middle section very beautiful yeah i've had some i've had some good sing-alongs in the car to that trying oh, to match the notes and and i love that the the beginning of it that is just rain down rain down come on rain down on me is so nice and then that continues while you hear about the crackle of pigskin the panic the vomit like that's all like underneath it on a separate vocal line. It really undercuts the niceness of that yeah. section of the song. And then you get Return of the Jedi. 
Yeah, and then, then Return of the Jedi uh, yeah. shows up. Um, they kind of felt that uh, that that reprise of the um, of of the explosive rock section, the riff, the riff, yeah, the second bit wasn't kind of. They needed to elevate it in some way. It needed like a little something for it to not just be a repeat of the first section. And Nigel said that to Tom and said, "You know, this is what needs to happen." And Tom said, "Okay, just like play the song." I'm going to go into this room with my dictaphone um, and I'm going to do this and I, I think this will this will be it. So that's in the last section of the song. Mm-hmm. Sort of is it? Is it? Way. And that's in there, is it? Hey, do you yeah. know what? I've, I I uh, I picked out the bit. He's he, I heard him repeat that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so that's in the song. There's loads <laughs> of stuff that's sort of just sort of hanging about in this song. Um, I mean, this is one of the songs that when I was talking about earlier about, like on its surface, it's a good rock song, isn't it? Good rock yeah. song with some good yeah. mellow bits also. Uh, but it's one of the ones where also give it some give it a bit more time and actually. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of like you can hear a lot of. There's a lot more going on, right? The stuff yeah. I was talking about earlier, and that's what you said about it. You know, the shines the fact that they've got three guitarists and a really good bass player, and, a, and probably quite a good drummer too. And the lead singer's quite good at singing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, this is one of the ones where I was like, I already like the song, but like, yes, yeah, gives a little bit extra pizzazz those those layers of percussion in the beginning like there's so there's so much percussion uh in 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 the beginning did you notice that Mm, no i would have to listen to it again stick it on again there's like latin yeah there's a shaker in the right there's one of those circular things with the beads on in the left do you know what it sounds like throughout Throughout the song, there's like a dripping tap as well. Can you hear that there's kind that, of? Yeah, it's, it's a, a very like repetitive kind of thing. But there was like a Latin influence on. Oh yeah, on, on that. Um, it took a day just to nail the drum pattern, and then the band members, except Tom, played Latin percussion over it just because they felt like it and weren't really expecting it to work. And they did that until Tom told them to shut the fuck up because he was trying to sleep. Um, <laughs> and then the and then that's that's how that got in there. Um, it must have been a tricky song to get right because. Even though each section is a live recording, the sections are stitched together. Um, so they didn't play, you know, okay. the quiet section at the same time as the. It wasn't all one take. They played them separately and then stitched them together. But all done by hand by Nigel, who had to do it, you know, by slicing it up and gluing it together. Yeah. Um, this is a really good example of something that I wanted to talk about on the bends, and I can't remember if I mentioned it or not. I might have saved it for this. It's a very vertical melody. What the fuck does that mean? Does that please? Make sense? No, that means nothing. To, like you need to explain so that. the The scope of it is is very vertical as opposed to horizontal. The scope of the notes is like 
Please could you stop the noise of trying to get some rest. Very up and down. And then later on uh, in, in their career, he becomes a very horizontal singer. If you listen to something like Everything in Its Right Place, uh, or if you listen to something like 15 Step from In Rainbows, the melodies on those are very horizontal. They're kind of like one, like 15 Step is, you used to be all right, what happened? It's like basically one note, while the yeah, rest is kind of going around. It doesn't stray too far from... Yeah. Now, so horizontal... Um melodies are very conversational and they draw you further into the song uh because you feel like someone's just talking to you um a vertical melody heightens drama and tension and i think there's no better sort of like example of a melody heightening drama than paranoid android how is this the first time we've talked about this on season four because i like this is an interesting this is interesting this whole vertical versus horizontal i like this how has only just come up <laughs> we must have encountered vertical and horizontal melodies yeah over we the have course of the other seasons. we definitely have yeah, and yeah. has been saving it being like i'm saving it for radio. Yeah, yeah. all the, the good stuff pocket. for radio yeah. Yeah. yeah um there's some interesting little stuff we were talking about artwork being like made in tandem with things on the single artwork for Paranoid Android are some interesting bits of text that I think get across some of the stuff that they wanted to kind of include on the album. So thinking about the album as a whole um, and thinking about its themes and stuff, this is something that they included on the back cover of Paranoid Android. To kill a demon made of wet sawdust. This sort of demon is almost impossible to kill. The only way to do it is to cover its face with wet bread and karate chop its head off. Otherwise you're in trouble and so is the neighbourhood. Wet sawdust demons like to terrorise. MB. Pressing its face into wet bread that is on the ground works best. Though you can get a result just by throwing the bread at its face. Fuck's sake. Yeah. That is yeah. what I felt actually. It's What is that? Because it... But it fits with the album. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's light-hearted, but it's also creepy and kind of dark, and it relates to kind of folk horror and stuff like that. It also kind of sounds a bit like uh, an AI has come up with a story. It does, but it's written by Stanley Donwood. On, on, on the other uh, CD single of Paranormal Android, it said, A cathedral of white in a suburban shantytown, two up, two down houses with just the asbestos and the skeletons left. Scary. They're a scary band. They're a creepy band. This is what They're I was saying scary. in the first episode. They're well creepy. They're like yeah. little creepy, creepy boys. I have one more thing on Paranoid Android. Do, do we agree that that's basically a good song? I agree it's uh, basically a really good song, actually. I think okay, it's a really great, good song, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's got to be one of the highlights of the album, surely. Um, if not, you know, their fucking career. Um, here's something that I think you'll never be able to unhear. Uh, I found out about it today. And then I listen to it three or four times and I can't unhear it. You know, at the end of, uh, on, on the CD, it's at the end of Airbag, but I think on Spotify, it's the beginning of Paranoid Android. The boops. Boop, boop. Yes. Boop, yeah. boop. It's like the pips from, uh, from radio almost. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the fourth one, you can hear Tom York going, boop. So no. <laughs> let's see if you can hear that. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> you're going to hear yeah. that every single time, and it's ruined the album for me. <sighs> so why did you do it? <laughs> I read it, and I thought, 
Fucking hell, I've got to check that. Is this song literally just about living in a town that also contains aliens? Kind of. I think a little bit. Yeah. There are, you know, deeper sociological concerns as a result of that premise, for sure. Nope. Living with a load of greys. Imagine you lived in a town where you can't smell a thing, because that's what I go through every single day. Well, I've got a big note here that says, Steve, I'm assuming this is the song you relate to the most. (laughs) (laughs) Those of you who don't know, I have no sense of smell as a human being. Pathetic. It is Um, pathetic, isn't it? It is pathetic. um, What a great way to sum up a really boring suburban place, though. A town where you can't smell a thing. Because living in a city, I do genuinely like smell loads of interesting smells when i step out of the there's a lot of stimulus all the time right yeah do you know what i mean yeah there is a lot of stimulus and and i think this this album has a lot of boring suburbs are boring chat in it do you know what i mean Uh, like the anonymous suburbs sort of stuff yeah and i kind of got a take a bit of it it seems to be like on the surface i imagine there's some stuff under because i imagine there's a lot of metaphors which i've got ideas for but it's on the surface seeming about wanting to escape the mundanity of suburbia, but through the lens of someone who's so fed up, he kind of longs for alien abduction, you know? Someone who's so bored that they're fantasising about being abducted by aliens. Which, which it, it makes it sound so nice, doesn't it? In yeah, this song? it does. You think, yeah. God, yeah, that sounds so comfy. I find this track really calming. Yeah, it's very floaty, but very defeatist. But well, um, it also it sounds like space. Well, this is the thing, yeah. It's form and function. It's, float. it, it's floaty, and guess what you do in space, Steve? Guess what you do in space? You float. You float. It, it feels like you're being beamed up, right? Yeah, it does. It's got and bleeps and, and bloops. I mean, I've got I've got space rock written down. Yeah, because the, like the, the guitar 
the guitar genuinely feels like a UFO hovering above the rest of the song Literally because does. it's it kind of like it has that those motifs all the way through that feel disconnected from the song in terms of like rhythm and stuff. The electric piano sounds very reminiscent of some of the sounds on Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. This is the jazziest thing on the on the album. It's a very open sounding song, but I love like the cascading sort of drums and stuff. It's got an odd structure and rock bands didn't sound like this, guys. Come on, guys. In the mid 90s, rock bands weren't doing this, guys. But th- this is one of the ones that I cite as um if you're not someone who's going to listen properly you'd probably go it's not very interesting dull yeah i can i can understand boring radiohead a bit boring they're just a bit boring aren't they like that that yeah and to be and and to be honest if i if it was another band or i wasn't doing it for a podcast maybe i'd be one of those people who wouldn't have given it enough time and i'd be like it's a bit boring yeah because I, a, I have to listen to it a thousand times for this podcast, and B, I have a a, a pre-existing relationship with Radiohead and know that they're good. You know, I I did enjoy it and didn't go a bit boring. Right. So you did you did end up responding to this song positively, mm-hmm. but but it is is not a uh, yeah. You you would get way less out of this song putting it on in the background, as much as it does sound a bit like lounge jazz in places. You yeah. could put this on in the background and not have a bad time. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't put Climbing Up the Walls on at a dinner party. Although I will. And you, oh, you will. No, you would. I mean, you would. You've made plans. Yeah, yeah, Adam's yeah, writing yeah. in a notebook right now. <laughs> Remember earlier on I said about how, like, I imagine the aliens and things like that are kind of a metaphor for something, and I've got some ideas of that. Do you know what I've actually written? I imagine the aliens in this song are a metaphor metaphor for something, but I'm not clever enough to understand. Yes. So uh, amazing. So yeah, I don't think I. I think they are. I think they are, but I also think that they're kind of just a a, a metaphor for escape, maybe. Yeah. But I think is. just just see them as aliens. That's fine. That's fine. Beautiful um, ship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was so British in this yeah, song. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and th- th- there's a touch more storytelling and a bit of humour. I think this song's quite funny. And that's a style that Bob Dylan often used, which is, of course, where the title is from, right? Subterranean Homesick Alien, what? Uh, there's, a, there's a Bob Dylan song called Subterranean Homesick Blues. Yes, it's right. it's maybe his most famous song, and it's, you have a good claim. Don't know about that, Adam. It's one of, well, it's, okay, maybe it's the one of his times they are inf- changing. <laughs> right. Maybe it's one of his most influential songs, then. Because uh, some people claim that it invented hip hop. Interesting. It's a good song. Have you not? You've not heard this song. Stick a Steve? clip on. No. Oh, hang on. Let me. Have, you've not heard Subterranean Homesick Blues. I might have done. Steve, Steve, Steve really you good, Lucas. Mate. Well, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but usually this is what we do with you. Well, that's because I did a bit of a. That's because I did a bit of a Steve in uni, where I was like, I know Bob Dylan's supposed to be good, so I forced myself to listen to a couple of Bob Dylan right. albums. And isn't he good? He's good. Yeah. Steve, check out the lyrics on this baby. This fucks. John is in a basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on a pavement thinking about the government. A man in a trench coat, bad job laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway. 
Looking for a new friend, a man in a coonskin cap and a big pen wants eleven dollar bills. You only got ten. Here you go, Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan. Shall I get really into Bob Dylan? Mate, I, I, would you like me to make you a playlist? Oh, for fuck's sake, he's going to yeah. do like, it. Please. I'd love to make you a Bob Dylan playlist. When you talk about the humour, um, do you mean it's like the lines where he's like, I tell my friends but they'll never believe me? Yeah, and then I he calls them all up tight. Yeah. Yeah. J- just a note on that Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Because it's the same argument for this album. Okay, okay. Can do it by Radiohead. Subterranean Homesick Blues, now seems a bit passe and there's loads of artists that sound like that that was 1965 mm. no one had like ever sounded like that before um which is i think this is an important thing to take into account when you're listening to music i think the context does uh does actually matter <laughs> we should do a podcast we should do a podcast man. no we shouldn't no we should enough people no. do podcasts there's too many Obviously, there's the sad bit of the song, uh, and then you know it does it does other stuff. It's not often you get a jump scare from just the voice coming in on a song. <laughs> Yeah, uh, utterly, utterly beautiful, right? So good. So good. Yeah, I don't know if I'd... Would I use beautiful? I don't know if I'd use beautiful, but... No? But, but great. I think the first half of it is very beautiful, when it's yeah. fragile. But then... I mean, it's all dramatic, but the second half... Is dramatic. Is unbelievably dramatic. Yeah, that <laughs> that crescendo, though... It's Hell all yeah. leading to that. I mean, quite a few songs in this album do that. Mm. And I don't mind it, mate. But then there's quite a few where I started writing the notes and I was like, yeah, this one's okay. And then I remembered and went, oh, yeah, it goes, it gets big it at the end. There. So I like it because I like it when a song gets big at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, Lucas, I've got to be honest, mainstream rock bands weren't doing that in 1997. This kind of weird song structure. People were very much verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Manix never fucking did this. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Do you know what I mean? Like, the the whole start in one mode and finish in another kind of wasn't done in mainstream rock music. Not even, like, metal. That's not mainstream rock music, is it, really? Oh, fine, I guess. If you like, that's not going to top the UK charts. Yeah, fine, like, I see what you mean. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Uh, I hope you choke. 
I that's not very nice. Like consider it after uh, it was a bit harsh, wasn't it? But like after all of that, after the drum and dramatic, and it's just this like really quiet part. Yeah, the fact that they bring it all the way down, so it's just you're only left with "We hope that you choke." Yeah, is uh, yeah. So obviously, this is the song that is written for the closing credits of Romeo and Juliet, and it's in, it's inspired directly by the play. Actually, though, yeah. Also, so the song title is literally that literal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And and uh, like w- when a character leaves a play, it says that they exit the stage. It's exit music, parenthesis for a film. Yeah, because they wrote it for a film. So we're saying almost that big crescendo. It's all building up to Romeo and Juliet's deaths at the end of the movie, and then it comes back down again. Kind of, although I th- I think that this is an alternate version where they escape before all the bad stuff sort of happens. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that's what Tom said, but I think there is a reading of it where, like, you know, that when it when it when it hits the crescendo and the lyrics are, and you can laugh a spineless laugh, we hope your rules and wisdom choke you. You can see that as like killing themselves out of spite or something like that. I think it, I think it ultimately goes bigger than Romeo and Juliet. Like, I think there's you, you know there's lots of reads uh, you know that are about like extricating yourself from society or a life ruled by authority. We hope your rules and wisdom choke you. Um, and the we are one in everlasting peace is ambiguous, right? It's That could be happy that they're living together. It could be sad because they are now together in the afterlife, right? Yeah. But yeah, the defiance of we hope that you choke. And I love the fact that it gets quieter and that's all you can hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people... Um, have pointed to the second half of this song as the blueprint for Muse. What's your reaction to that? Was it this one? There's, oh, where's the one? There is, there is a song, I think it might be this one, where I literally wrote like, oh, so this is the Radiohead that Muse were ripping off in showbiz. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you've got that fuzz bass. Yeah, the, I mean, the fuzz right. bass is basically just Christopher Walsenholm's pedal board and they've travelled into the future and nicked it. And then the drama and the crescendo is very mute. That's I've never thought about that. And his voice, like it does, sound pretty Bellamy on this one. Um, and that's that's a huge difference in in what I was saying about. Um, oh, I did. I said it about a different song, but also valid. <laughs> the difference in horizontal and vertical. So this song starts horizontal and it feels intimate and conversational. And as the song gets more dramatic, the melody gets more vertical. Yeah. And he so hits it starts going register. Da, 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 da. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's horizontal use. I I get I get it. I'm imagining the melody or melodyne. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then exactly. going up exactly. and down through the cool. Okay, I like it. I mean, I love everything about this song. I'm going to be honest, guys. Um, I think it's probably one of the highlights of the album, uh, along with. I remember you saying it was like your favorite song or something. It's one of my favourite songs from the album. It's definitely up there with Airbag, Paranoid Android and Subterranean Homesick Alien, for sure, of the songs that we've heard so far. I, I, I meant in general. I thought I remember you I thought I remember you on like the first episode or something, just like citing exit music for a film as like... Something. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, it's in my top 50. I don't know if it's even in the top 10, though. <laughs> he loves it, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> he loves it. It's just one of his favourite songs. It's in his top 73. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much is said about the second half that I think some of the details in the first half are not discussed enough. It's because the second half's way better. 
the second half is way better, but there's so much fragile beauty in that first half that I find really arresting. Um, that I genuinely like. It is alarming how loud his voice is in comparison to the guitar, because they let the guitar go for so long that you're used to a certain volume, and then he goes, "Wait!" It's, it's like it's, it's a bit terrifying. The opening reminds me of a Pink Floyd song, and I don't know which one it is. Excellent. Cool. I mean, it's got that kind of. Um, you can imagine. I don't know if you better hear this, but a lot of Pink Floyds have sort of have this kind of drum beat. It goes. But before it even gets to that, it's just literally like the opening guitar, and I don't know. Interesting. Can't come back to us. That um. Right. That 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 quiet guitar, loud voice thing was inspired by Johnny Cash's album from Folsom Prison. Um. Because the opening of the album is you hear the applause of the prisoners and then just his guitar. Uh, and, and you get used to the volume of the guitar, but then his voice on that album is mixed so loud that you get like a jump scare from, from Johnny Cash's <laughs> voice. And then the weird field recordings in the second half and the sound effects in the second verse are very eerie and give a good impression of, of i think a world outside of the couple kind of swirling but muted around them and then there's the choir right sorry is there a choir yeah let me let me let, let me let me find it that's a choir i kind figured of. it was I a, figured it was a keyboard i figured it was a synth with a with a with a midi choir sound it's it's kind of both. Mm. It is a keyboard, but it's not a MIDI keyboard because it's 1997, Lucas. <laughs> and whilst it existed, it's not necessarily very accessible or something that they wanted to do because they only really use analogue instruments. It's a real choir, but it's not a real choir. So it's a keyboard called a Mellotron. And it's a very early kind of electronic instrument. In fact, it's electromechanical. But it was developed in 1963. The Beatles are perhaps the most famous users of it on Strawberry Fields Forever. Um, it's kind of like a sampler, but with actual bits of tape. So when a key on the keyboard is is pressed, a small tape loop engages the tape length is actually discerned by the user you could put a whole song on there if you wanted but what they did is they had little bits of tape of a real choir that sang about 30 years ago so when he presses the keys he's getting you know these old recorded voices from this keyboard um johnny inherited his mellotron uh, which is an original 1970s model from a relative of the inventor with the original tapes on it so each little bit of tape was originally its own performance um a big part of the Mellotron is that you're never sure exactly what you're going to get because they weren't perfect technology. You'd get the little bits of tape engaging at slightly different lengths and times, which is why it sounds so, like, wonky. It's alien. Yeah, that's nothing to do with the playing. It's to do with when the tapes are engaging. The instrument itself was used by loads of prog bands in the 70s. Johnny's belonged to Tangerine Dream, um, but they fell out of favour and they stopped making them in 1986, which is why Johnny had to find a vintage one. Uh, not that he went looking for it specifically, even. He just collects loads of weird instruments. But they eventually then started making them again. Why do you think they started making them again? Because Radiohead used them. Because Radiohead used them. Fuck's yeah, sake. exactly. <laughs> so, again, they kind of influenced a whole new generation of people using the Mellotron. They're still made today. They repopularized them to the point that they started manufacturing them again. Um, 
which is pretty insane. Uh, incredible song, incredible song. Uh, it's you know of the four that we've heard so far, it's in my four favourites. Do you want to hear like when I talked about the field recordings? Could you pick those out as well? Do you know what I'm talking no, about? I hope you've got the isolated tapes. Always no. That sounds like the side of a motorway. It's tape loops. Now, that isn't the exact one that's used in the thing, but it's, it's an example of what it is. And let, let me see if I can find it for you in the song. Hang on. Here you go. Yeah. You hear them? Yeah, you hear the voices. Yeah. I, no, I did, I did notice that before. I just okay, hadn't it down, cool. but yeah. It's a lot of voices. It sounds like he's standing in the street singing. Yeah, I think it's a recording of a playground, which I really think you can't do these days. No, <laughs> um, you can't do anything these days, can't you? You can't even oh, record a playground. You can't even record children playing a playground. Yeah, against their will. What a letdown. Oh. oh. The rules only applied to episode one. Yeah. <laughs> mad that it comes out of exit music into letdown because back to back my heart can't take the kind of sad prettiness of those two songs together <laughs> you know it's like yeah, oh I now know, it's letdown <laughs> yeah 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 um i mean there's just some wonderful parts of this song where like the instruments in the background are just off doing their own fucking thing and the tempo and their own tempo and and rhythm or whatever but the drums are just keeping time there's just some just some really nice sections. There's a section in the middle where he's like, where he's saying, let down, let down. And, and then all these fragments just come back together to the, you know, you know where you are with, etc. And that is just chef kiss, cook snog, caterer smooch. <laughs> it's just, it's just wonderful, this song, isn't it? Like, fuck me. I, I, I think it's the, the best thing on the album. Yeah. Yeah. That's a strong statement. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think it's unbelievably stunning. I am, um... and I and I think Lucas will, will disagree. And I, and I think you like the song because it's nice, but I think you're going to go on the typical letdown trajectory here. Do the rules still apply in episode two? <laughs> no. Oh. This song's a bit of a letdown. Uh, okay. um, oh, Adams! I mean, Adams got me. Adam is pegging me hard. Yeah, so hard, but so hard. He's got me. He has got me pegged because yeah, I like it. It's a perfectly nice song, but uh, one of the weaker versions of that on this album because there's ba- there's basically nothing on this album that isn't good. But correct, correct opinion is the least good to me. Uh, having said that, I did then write. Oh yeah, it does get better. Mm-hmm. Because the it gets because it does the because it does the the, the 
it does the climax again. Where it just comes back together. And there's loads of synths going... I mean, they invented Muse there. They invented arpeggios. That's presumably they're inventing arpeggios. Yes, Radiohead invented arpeggios. They did. That's why they're one of the most influential bands in the world. They travelled back in time to invent arpeggios. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I did like it, but I don't. I, it's one of those ones where, like, I enjoyed it, but I had not much to say about it. And subsequently, that makes me figure, well, I guess it probably means it's one of the weaker ones for me because I don't have a huge amount to say. I probably had the least notes for exit music, but I love it. And I don't have a whole lot for let down, really, apart from the fact. Guess what, just, guys? Hey, got an essay. You, you ready for an essay? I got a whole bunch. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Here we go. It has it has a jokey reputation as the underrated Radiohead song uh, because, and you'll have to forgive the pun here, it's the one on the album that creeps up on you. Mm. Um, so you get loads of people, you get loads of posts on the Reddit. You used to get loads of posts on the forums from people saying, guys, is it just me or is Letdown underrated and amazing? Because it it doesn't click straight away. You have to give it that time. It wasn't my favourite for a long, 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 long time. And then it just clicked. It's maybe the least immediate thing on the album, which works in its favour. It's a slow build, and it's very pretty, but the thing it's building to is maybe the single best moment of their career, I think. Yeah. It, it starts kind of plodding, but pretty, Firstly, there's three guitars and they're all in different time signatures. So we should talk about that. There we go, yeah. Uh, Tom's so- is in 4-4, four, four, which is keeping with the drums. I think Ed's in three and Johnny's in five. So they're all just sort of cascading around yeah. each other. It gives a nice sort of like woozy kind of feeling. And then there's that breakdown, which is so minimal and is maybe, certainly, at least on the podcast, the best example of tension and release that I can think of. Because apart from a couple of fills, nothing to do with the drummer, Mm. uh, the bass holds one note for over a minute. Like, it's just relentlessly that note. And then when you get to, you know where you are are with, Mm -hmm. the song just unfolds in the most sort of beautiful way the guitars come back in and they're now they're in like they were in polymeter and now they're in polyrhythm um but the bass doesn't change its note on the first drop but on the chord after it so it slows that euphoria and spreads it out across that section of the song and then when you get to the second telling of the line one day i am going to grow wings the song basically does exactly that as oh, Tom nice. goes oh, into nice. his falsetto over the continuation of the lyrics and the three guitars intertwining in a very complex way. I think we should play it because now I've described it like that. I, I want to hear it. So this is the breakdown, obviously. Now, try and listen to like left and right here. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Fragments. It's it's a real mess. There's a bass fill, but the rest of the time the bass is on that one note. And it's all disparate. It's all separated. Even the vocals are only just off in the left. And there's so much tension here because you want it to do something else. 
There it is. Hmm. And that's such a nice unfolding of it. But it's it's actually not done unfolding. Here you go. And he's going to go into his falsetto here. And the guitars are still a mess. But everything else is bringing it back together. And then you get a chorus out of nowhere. You're not really expecting a chorus. That's an incredible bit of composition. I've changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Isn't it incredible? And you like I don't know if you're joking or not, Lucas. But no, I'm genuinely, not joking. Let, let let down was was between it was between let down and another one for the weakest songs on the track. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to swap it back. Unless you convince me on the other one when we get to <laughs> okay. it. But but let down. I genuinely think once you have that bit unlocked, it just unlocks the whole song. And it's, it's also just oh. listening to the second half again. Yeah, I mean, because the second half's really good. Uh, it was all a mistake. Um, so the <laughs> dual vocals were a mistake. They had like a few takes of the vocals and neither one of them were kind of feeling right. So they just thought, let's stick them on at the same time and see what happens. And that happened. So the falsetto thing is just Tom messing around, seeing what happens. Um, and it just turned out to sound, you know, fucking amazing. Despite getting those two vocals to work, that's where Tom and Johnny wanted the song to fade out. Oh, no. <laughs> they wanted it to be about three minutes long. And the bit we've all said is the best bit would have been the fade out. No, no. <laughs> um, in terms of themes and stuff, what have we got going on here, guys? God knows. Uh, I will. There's so much imagery, right? Is that? I mean, uh, at this point, I should point, if we're going into lyrics, I should probably point out, like, if anyone at all has heard my song I released recently. Oh, I've got a big note for this, Steve. Yeah. Big note. My song I released <laughs> recently on. is called a, a Chemical Reaction, available now on all streaming services by Steve Murphy. Editing that out. Editing I, that out. I wrote a song over a year ago before we got into the Radiohead season. But, like, for whatever reason, when I was writing, that section of a song that I'd heard at some point was stuck in my head for that and i should probably point that out but um so there was a direct influence absolutely it was it was like gonna take those words Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. the song (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a powerful set of words when you when you're kind of like thinking about uh humans i think like the idea of chemical reactions um i mean the 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 transport stuff is most apparent right mass transport and the speed of life Mm mm-hmm the first lyric is transport, so <laughs> that's what I'm getting from it. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting transport because the first word of the song is transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Motorways I mean, and tram lines. Instantly, like the even just the title "Let Down" there reminded me of the beginning of the album "Airbag." It literally reminded it of an airbag being let down. Yeah, it's deflating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and and there's stuff in there about like feeling empty, disappointed people clinging on to bottles, and when it comes, it's so disappointing. Um, there's all sorts of stuff about, I, th- I think it's about cynicism. Tom has talked about um, sentimentality being emotion for the sake of it, um, which is something that he felt was being sold to people every day in adverts, TV shows. And the letdown is that every emotion is fake. So you end up feeling removed from it. 
in the same way that uh, people in little boxes of mass transit probably feel removed from the real world. Um, and then there's stuff about bugs. There's loads of bugs on, on this song. Like, crushed like bugs on the ground, but also the fact that bugs communicate via chemical reactions. Mm-hmm. They emit chemicals, and that's how they communicate their, I guess, kind of emotions. It's like the purest form of communicating something is is, is, is chemicals. Um, but in this song, the chemical reaction causes him to grow wings. And I don't know if you've ever read uh, Metamorphosis by uh, Kafka. Not yet, not yet. Guys. No. No, but I'm uh, aware so, of the, you know, the thing yeah, that, sure. that happens the, to bugs. It, it, it's about a guy that, uh, it's about a man who turns into a bug what? and slowly becomes more and more isolated. It's a famous novel from, I can't remember where it was from. It's very, very old. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the theme of isolation, being surrounded by people who are clinging onto bottles, being stuffed into mass transit, but still feeling isolated is a big part of this song. Just, just harking back to earlier on when I was talking about how squishy humans are. Do you remember that? I think that might have been in the, the first part uh, of our coverage. I guess that that's kind of ringing out again with the, the squashed, being squashed like bugs, just how like fragile we are amongst all of this. Yeah. There's a lot of fragility on this album, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bloops at the end are from a program that Johnny wrote uh, himself to randomly play tones within a key. Fucking nerd. Fucking yeah. geek. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was saved from the ZX Spectrum, uh, and you you, you can uh, hear the save tone in the background if you listen carefully enough. Anyway, that's interesting, isn't it? That is, there it is. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the depressing thing about it, yeah. is it is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karma Police comes on by Radiohead. <laughs> and then the song Karma Police by Radiohead. Do you know the song Karma Police by Radiohead? Let me check. Yep. 
It's the one that, if you look at the back of the CD, if you go to like the seventh song. Oh no, no, we can't do it anymore. Sick. Because Lucas has done it. As soon as uh, Lucas does the bit, that's it's right. dead. That's right. <laughs> six song. Sorry, we only six songs into this album. One, yeah. two, three, four, five. Yeah, six. For Halfway six. through. It's six. Oh, that six, that six. six song is Karma Police by Radiohead. Yeah, that is you know true. the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. yeah. What can you even say about Karma Police? What could, I tell you, what someone did say about it on Genius Lyrics, and I'm pretty sure. Try and keep it a bit more objective. Whoever All right. is writing okay. these. <laughs> one of the this is on the description of the song, right? You know, at the top where it says like a little the fifth single off of their third album, Habitatoda. You know, sure. One of several stunning singles from Radiohead's heavily influential masterpiece, OK Computer. Mm. God, that seems yeah, a bit of a objective. We got nothing to add about, uh, about Karma Police, right? I like, do. OK, go on. It's got the line, uh, like a detuned radio. Mm. Head. That, is, that line is, is uh, lifted into a song. Oh. By the, by the band Thursday. Is it really? Yeah, they've got what a line. What the fuck is Thursday? They're like an emo band. Like a, like right. that sort of, not even emo. They're like, you know. Yeah, I listened to them just, when I was 17. Yes, but they were. That kind they of emo. They weren't. Not that right. yes, they weren't. Uh, they had a line in a song called This Song Brought to You by a Falling Bomb. They also had a song Understanding in a Car Crash. Yep. Uh, and the line was, Do you hear the static of a thousand detuned radios? And as soon as I heard the song the karma police and actually paid attention. I was like, Oh, there's a line. Yeah. Uh, that's something, that's something that probably people haven't extensively talked about, about the song. That's probably true. We're breaking new ground here on the what is music podcast. Cause we're talking about the band Thursday. <laughs> but whilst we're talking about lyrics that we haven't really paid attention to before in one of the most famous songs by Radiohead, should we talk about Hitler hairdo? Hmm. Yeah. That's something. What's going on there? That is something. And it, it almost feels even more relevant today with the rise of Nazism. Hmm. Like, there's, there's so many bits you can pick out of this album and, and, and they're more relevant today than they ever were. It's depressing, isn't it? Is, now, is there a rise in Nazism specifically or just people being monstrous, racist, fascist cunts? Specifically Nazism, like people are like actually associating themselves specifically with, yes, with the beliefs with the held party. by the Nazi party. Yes, and the swastika, yes. Fuck's yes, sake. I know, yeah. Get out. Unbelievable. I, get yeah, in, get out. Why don't they get, do you know what they should do? Get in the bin. Join the rest of the Nazis on the moon. That's all yeah, they should do. Yeah. We've all seen the film. We've all <laughs> We've seen, seen that seen one. It. We've all seen it. Can't remember what it was called. Nazis on the moon. Yeah. That's what it's called. We're Nazis on the moon. <laughs> we, we carry, carry a harpoon. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? It is. Uh, this song is so well. The first half of this song is very dark and uh, ominous, and I think that it gives the impression of like moral crimes, right? Mm-hmm. That that are all under the jurisdiction of the Karma Police, right? Like talking in maths, buzzing like a fridge having a Hitler hairdo, they're all concerns. You would be reported to the karma police, uh, which I suppose is, is bringing in more of like the Eastern religious concepts like like Airbag did um, with reincarnation and, and karma and stuff like that. And then there's the very menacing, this is what you'll get when you mess with us. So threatening. Yeah, he's like holding a knife whilst he's singing that. 
Well, it's made even more menacing by the fact that they don't tell you what you get. Yeah. What do you get? <laughs> I mean, you get this, but I don't really know what this is. And it's it's clever to have the chorus be quieter than the rest of the song. That makes it uh, even even creepier. And then the second half of the song is very different. Yeah. Uh, it's not creepy or ominous. It's euphoric and triumphant. I mean, again, another song that uh, so many of the songs have the like start small, get big. Thing. Yeah, if yeah. not big, more large. <laughs> yeah, if not big, large. Um, it's... But the song totally transforms yeah. at that point, and it's in battle with the kind of uh, feeling you got from the start of the song. So, and it, but it, it's almost like someone's waking up and uh, whoa! Like, and it literally says, "Phew!" For a minute there, I lost myself. Like he's getting carried away. Well, that's why it's that's why it's so like. It, it's so interesting that it's so triumphant because it's such a small thing. It's finding triumph in just disengaging from the world for even the tiniest second. Mm-hmm. Like, phew, for a minute there, I, I lost myself. Um, everybody's heard Karma Police. Uh, but there's lots of little production details that I find interesting about this song. And so in lieu of playing a clip of the second half of Karma Police... This is one of the things that's going on in the background of the second half of Karma Police. It's it's difficult to listen to, but it's in the song, and you don't notice it that it's difficult to listen to in the song. delay is not in time with the rest of the song or whatever Tom is doing but it, you wouldn't even necessarily notice it in the song but it is it is there there's all these like little experimental aspects to it I noticed um, the delay in that part I did notice that part it was very recognizable when I heard oh, it but I didn't hear the delete the build up but because it, it always it almost feels so dreamlike and uh, mm. the way it's stuttering and it's like yeah it's got this super echoey delay on it uh, in that part almost a bit like your um, not underwater, but that kind of effect. Woozy. Mm-hmm. A bit drunk, Absolutely, maybe. Absolutely. Something yeah. like that. Um, the song is inspired by something that they used to say to each other. If some, if someone was being particularly shitty on tour, or someone said something shitty to someone else, they'd kind of commiserate by saying, oh, well, the karma police will catch up to them sooner or later. Uh, and it kind of filtered its way into, into the lyrics. Um, right. The line in there about... Uh, he buzzes like a fridge. Um, that fridge buzzing is something that I think is pretty central to the album. Like, I think that kind of speaks to the pervasive noise that we all just kind of put up with. Like, your fridge buzzes, and we all just kind of tune it out. And I think that this album has a lot of those pervasive noises that you kind of tune out. I mean, I think you'll hear it like, there's like radio sounds on, on climbing up the walls and stuff like that. Um, the the other thing about fridge buzzing is that Tom will later equate it to being like that's what all rock music sounds like to him is the sound of a fridge buzzing. Um, so uh, yeah, what do you think of the song? Do we like it? I I fucking love it, and I loved it more 
listening to it with a critical ear and and trying to separate oh it's that song i heard a hundred times on the way up to newcastle as a kid when i was a kid um on the radio um why are we going to newcastle so much uh my grandparents lived there um because of the two sections asked and answered yeah Uh, (laughs) the two sections of the song the way it splits and it's like someone waking up from like something awful they've done in a way um like a psychotic episode um Adam, you saying about how that kind of finding triumph and euphoria in just sort of going, you know, hold on a sec. I, I kind of get that where I got to a point in my life where I was just like, it's so much easier to just let stuff go than be annoyed. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it. That's an interesting read of the song, actually, that someone is so annoyed by someone who talks in maths and has a Hitler hairdo, they're so annoyed by someone who buzzes like a fridge and then halfway through the song they make the decision to just let it go. Yeah. It's so much it's a much nicer way of living. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Lucas, you hate everyone. I hmm? <laughs> it's a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean And the Karma police actually ride segways. Uh, they do. They do. Well, they're well because they're obviously based out of America. The yeah. Police, yeah, yeah. And obviously, they get segways. What do you think of the song, Lucas? Um, it's good, but unlike you know, uh, Paranoid Android and No Surprises, which like I'm like, yeah, this is a legendary. You know, it's like renowned, and it's obviously what for this reason. I'm like, yeah, no, it's good, but like, it's fine. It's all right. You know what I mean? Like a lot of songs that are led that are like some of a, a band's most well-known and obvious songs kind of are for a reason, right? We talked about it with Manix, like Design for Life, Tolerate. You just kind of go, yeah. It's what, like, what is it about those two songs particularly that you think might uh, have in common with Karma Police? No, but I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying Karma Police isn't one of those. I'm saying actually... Well, I'm, I'm saying it fine. is. But I'm saying it's fine. Right, but what do they all have? A huge euphoric sing-along yeah which is normally my jam but yeah it's just it's fine like i don't not like karma police obviously i like karma police sure but not as much it's not as much as like an obvious like well yeah it's almost one of those ones where you would put it as the best on the album but it feels easy and lazy to do it so you kind of don't do it like we did a bunch of times in every season like design for life like design for life um (laughs) it's not one of those to me it's yeah it's more like yeah no it's fine it's good but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been like this isn't it's not got there's no risk this is going to hit the top 10 or anything right um they have a tricky relationship with this song because like in terms of gigs because it's a euphoric huge Mm -hmm. sing-along like it's the most obvious for five minutes and play the song i know i know it's the most obvious sing-along that radiohead have so any other band this would close every gig they do from this point on like knights of cydonia a design for life would be one of those Sometimes it's first, sometimes it's fifth, sometimes it's second in the encore. Um, Until 2017, which was the 20th anniversary of OK Computer, when they started to reliably close with it. Oh, cool. And on occasions, the crowd will continue the for a minute there section long after the song has gone. And on fewer occasions... Tom will come back on and play that bit just on acoustic to sing along with the crowd. It's a little hint that they had started to get used to playing 
the hits mm. and being a little bit less obtuse and they haven't played live since <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if it'll continue or not yeah but having said that i actually prefer the first option where they just play it at a random point on the set because i i don't like it when a band just ends with the same song every goddamn time no yeah i agree i agree yeah it was only for like 10 gigs that they closed with it in their like entire history the final gigs they played before they broke up yeah before they broke up so yeah, the last song they've ever played exactly. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it must be. The end uh, of, of the song uh, is the song itself being fed into the AMS delay unit that we've heard Nigel play around with, and it's him riding the feedback on the delay unit while decreasing the speed, and it leads into, uh, leads directly into the next track. Knock on the head there. All right, then. Yeah, that's fine. Before we do... Before we do move on completely, what we've heard so far, music, yay, nay. Yay! No. Right, okay. Yeah? Just no. Just no. no. Fine. Fine. It's um, not muse, it's not music as far as I'm concerned. That's what your tattoo says, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Under Brexit, Brexit, yeah. I was literally about yeah. to say next to Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, hang on. But can we do an email, though, before we go? Oh, I don't know. Is it about Radiohead? Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Do they insult us God. in this one? It's going to be it's gonna be miserable. Um, no, no insults. I'll allow it. Okay. It's actually a returning emailer. Um, uh, Joseph Disson, we've read out one of their emails before. Um, it's subjected some useful or perhaps boring Radiohead information. I'm in. So there you go. That's piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, hello, guys. It's me again. This is a rather long email, so I do apologise. I've tried to break it down into a two-parter. So <laughs> very clever. That's what they've. That's what we do with our episodes. Yeah. That's what they've done with their email. Very excited to hear you guys are doing Radiohead next. I first got into Radiohead through my music teacher in school. She never came across as a Radiohead fan or a popular music fan, especially as she seemed to discourage us from following uh, any career in music as bands. However, she was the spitting image of Sarah Michelle Gellar, so any upset she caused in trying to squash our dreams was always quickly forgotten on the count that she was hot. Regardless, one day she handed me a CD of the Benz and said, if you insist on starting a band, you, you must listen to this. That started me on the road to become a rather big Radiohead fan. Months later, I had neglected to give her CD back, but I gave her a copy of the There There single. She wasn't that impressed. I never gave her a copy of the Benz back, which years later she reminded me of, but then again, my journey to forming a successful rock band was not that successful. Maybe she did have some foresight there. Anyway, in regards to something interesting, in regards to Radiohead and their beginnings, on a Friday I sing in a church choir and my mum plays the organ. Did you see what they've done there? Yeah, the Honor Friday thing. It's a pun. It's a pun. My mum is the reason all of our family, bar my late father, plays music and has dabbled in the music industry. About seven years ago, she mentioned that a friend called Terence Gilmore James was going to visit the church and play the organ for a rehearsal. He was a lovely guy, and after the rehearsal, I chatted to him and mentioned that I was playing in a band. Like it was nothing. He said, oh, how lovely you're in a band. I don't do much with band these days, but I did used to teach members of Radiohead many moons ago. Lovely boys. I was totally gobsmacked, ended up talking to him for nearly an hour about them, and he was lovely. He still sees some of them now and again. Uh, Also, after Googling him later that night, turns out the guys give him credit for helping develop the band and influencing Kid A. 
What was also very kind was he even offered to pass on one of my CDs to the guys if I wanted. I couldn't believe it and when I got home I started getting some CDs together. Luckily, partway through that task I quickly got some clarity that members of Radiohead would have no interest in a band that mainly played Jimmy Eat World light type of music, regardless how amazing I thought it was at the time. As much as I wanted it, there would never be a situation where my band became a household name on the back of Tom York's amazing review of our power chords. In later years, we had a tweet from Dave Mustaine of Megadeth stating he digged one of our tunes. Uh, Don't know how that happens, and I don't really like Megadeth. So there you go. Uh, another interesting fact is that Terence is the brother, uh, brother-in-law of Mansell Thomas, who is a very famous Welsh composer. Anyways, so in some cases it does seem that some music teachers can help their pupils form a world-famous band. You just need to be in the right one. At least I knew who to blame when my band failed to get that million-pound record deal. Thank you, Joe. That was actually that was a slightly interesting email, right? It was. He knew someone that knew Radiohead and had Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a music teacher. That's an interesting life. That is an interesting yeah. life. Uh, it also brings us to the end of another episode. Thank Aww. you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much oh, for Luke listening. Is <laughs> our next episode is out next Monday, and it is going to be the final part of our deep dive into OK Computer. Uh, we're going to get to the real crux of that record, and we're going to look at the legacy uh, that it left behind it. But before that, you guys should come and talk to us about what you think about this album and the songs that we've covered so far on the podcast. You can do that by finding us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Facebook at what is music pod on tiktok we're at what is music and if you want to send in something a little bit longer like joe did and have us read it out on the podcast or not have it read us out on the uh, read out on the podcast that's fine you can email us what is music pod at gmail.com and there's also a couple of ways other than all of those things that you can support us if you would like to and that's financially Give us your money. One way of doing that is to buy our merchandise. If you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com, if you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com, you'll find some stupid designs and one cool one. And if you'd like to chuck us a few quid, instead of getting the merchandise, you can go to coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. All donations go towards our running costs, and occasionally we go out for drinks. Uh, that about does it for this episode. We, did it we will one see time. you next week. I think we did it twice. Thanks again well, for listening. Uh, well, me and Steve. Uh, anyway. But before you go, please don't leave me high. Don't leave me. Bye. 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 It's good that we're all doing it, but we're not getting the timing quite right there. Okay. Bye. Okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>